This is our third episode and our second argument for Christian hedonism. In the first one, we came to these conclusions, and now we're arguing with ten arguments for this practical implication. The conclusion from Psalm 16, especially verse 11, which we'll see here, is this. Christian hedonism affirms that the greatest fullness of pleasure and the greatest duration of pleasure are found only in God through Jesus Christ. Not merely in his gifts, but in God himself as the supremely great, supremely beautiful, supremely valuable one. Therefore, Christian hedonism affirms that it is the God-given duty. There's the big takeaway. The God-given duty of all people to pursue this fullest and longest. So the greatest duration and the greatest fullness. Pleasure, namely pleasure in God, or as Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. Nowhere else in the universe is there fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, we're arguing now with ten arguments, and this is our second one, for this is so. In other words, it doesn't just follow from Psalm 1611. That could be seen as argument number one, but I'm just laying it down with 1611 and saying, now there are ten more biblical arguments that it is our duty to pursue our fullest pleasure in God. And here's the argument number two. God warns of judgment if we fail to find our greatest delight in God. In other words, this is God underlining the command, underlining the duty with a threat of judgment. Jeremy Taylor once said, God threatens terrible things if we will not be happy. It's kind of a jarring way to put it because we don't usually think of needing any kick in the rear end in order to be happy. But, oh, yes, we do because we find our happiness in suicidal things, which doesn't lead to happiness, but to destruction. And we need to be kicked in the rear end with threats of judgment in order to wake up and find our greatest delight in the only place where it will be full and full and forever. So where did I get this idea? I got it from Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. In other words, all this abundance that God shared with you to show you what kind of God he is so that you would delight in serving him. You didn't. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies So this is what I'm calling the warning or the threat. You will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. 
in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and lacking everything, and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Now notice, he could have simply said, which he did in Nehemiah 9, because you did not serve the Lord your God, comma, therefore you shall serve your enemies. That's true. But he said something more essential here because true service is service with joyfulness and gladness. And when their outward service was happening, but their inward joy and gladness were missing, they still were coming under the judgment of God. That's what's so shocking and sobering here. Because this command to serve the Lord, as we saw last time, is a command to serve the Lord with gladness. That is a command. If we disobey that command, if we say to the Lord, I don't care about finding joy in you, frankly, I find much more joy in money, much more joy in sex, much more joy in power, much more joy in friends, much more joy in my vocation that I find in you, but I'll still go to church, I'll still read my Bible, I'll still do the all-out religious things. We're going to go to hell if we talk that way and live that way and are that way without repenting to the end. So this is a hugely serious warning because this matters. It's not here for nothing. So that's the first text, namely Deuteronomy 28, 47 and 48. You will serve your enemies because you did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness. It really matters. Here's one more text. This is Jesus. Matthew 10. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the person's enemies will be those of his own household now, which creates a crisis. Namely, okay, will you abandon Jesus because it's going to be this costly? It's going to cost you family relationships. And so he adds this warning. Whoever loves, loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's a warning. That's a dreadful warning. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's a double threat. Not to be worthy of Jesus is not to have Jesus and him not to have you. And the criterion is Do you love parents more than him? And do you love children more than him? And here's the key thing to notice. This love here is not sacrificial service. He's not saying whoever sacrificially serves mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. He's saying... Love in the sense of cherish. He's, he's picking the 
two sets of relationships here that are the most precious. We love our children. We cherish our children. We treasure our children. We embrace and long for and delight in our children and our parents when we're little, at least. And he's saying, if you have that kind of affection for your parents or for your children that is stronger than that kind of affection that you have for me, then you're not mine. He's, he's talking about this kind of love. Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Love here for the world it doesn't mean sacrificial service. It means delight in, cherishing, treasuring, wanting, desiring, preferring. Same thing in 1 John 2.15. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, this is not sacrificial service. This is delight, cherishing, treasuring, desiring, cleaving to, being satisfied by. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. means you can't love these two treasures If you love the world as your treasure, God will not be your treasure. If you love the Father as your treasure, the world will not be your treasure. So, the threat, the warning, if you cherish, treasure, delight in, desire, cleave to, hold fast to, long for, prefer your father or your mother, your son or your daughter more than Jesus, you're not going to have Jesus. You're not worthy of Jesus. So my argument is God warns of judgment if we fail to find our greatest delight in God and in his Son, Jesus, who together are one God. That's argument number two for Christian hedonism affirms that it is the God-given duty of all people, to pursue the fullest and longest pleasure in God. Next time, argument number three, that the essence of evil is to pursue our fullest joy anywhere but in God.